Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. We left off last week with the story of David's great sin, the murder of Uriah the Hittite, the killing of his men to cover up the murder, and, oh, lest we forget, the rape of Bathsheba. And David thought he got away with it. But we learned that Nathan the prophet confronted David publicly in court. We read in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the Lord sent Nathan to David. And when he came to him, he said, I have a case for you to decide, my Lord. And there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, a little lamb that he had bought. He raised it, it grew up with him and his children, it shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in the bed with him. It was like a child to him. Now, a traveler came to the rich man. But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Now, what do you say about that, my lord the king? Well, David burned with anger against that man. And he said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan stepped right up to David, got right in his face. And he said, you are the man. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his sight? And what was David's great sin? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and you took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, consequences follow. The sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. And this is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. And boy, does God ever bring calamity upon David. Oh my gosh. Listen to this story. 2 Samuel chapter 13. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Now I want to pause here for a moment and go back and remember just who David's wives and sons were. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 2, beginning at verse 2. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon, son of Ahinoam of Jezreel. Amnon was prince and heir apparent, son number one, the firstborn, the eldest. 
his second, Kealab, son of Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel, the third, Absalom, the son of Maacah, daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. Now note that Absalom is son number three, and he was the son of Maacah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. That will be important momentarily. The fourth, Adoniah, the son of Haggith. The fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth, Ithriam, son of David's wife, Egla. These were born to David in Hebron. Six sons in Hebron. The first four will play important roles in our story as it unfolds. So back to 2 Samuel chapter 13. In the course of time, Amnon, son number one, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Absalom, son number four, and his sister, Tamar. Now, Amnon became frustrated to the point of illness on account of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now Amnon had a friend named Jonadab, son of Shimea, David's brother. Huh. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, Why do you, the son's king, Look so haggard morning after morning. Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, I'm in lust with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. That's what it was. And Jonadab said, Go to bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let, let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. Oh, Dad, I'm so sick. Oh, could, could my sister come and, and make a little, a little lunch for me and, and feed it to me? So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister to come and make some special bread in my sight, that special bread that she makes, so I may eat it from her own hand. Well, David sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was lying down, pretending to be sick, in bed. She took some dough, kneaded it, and made the bread in his sight, and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat it. The bread that she makes is a heart-shaped bread. Now think of the irony of this. She very lovingly and tenderly makes him that bread that he always liked in the shape of a heart. And she gives 
her heart to Amnon. But he said, send everyone out of here. So everyone left. Amnon and Tamar are alone in the bedroom. And I'll bet the last person out locked the door. Amnon said to Tamar, bring, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat it from your hand. Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her by the wrist, pulled her into the bed. Come to bed with me, my sister. No, that's a euphemism. Have sex with me. Well, that tones it down quite a bit. You know where I'm going with this. She said, don't, my brother. Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where can I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You'd be like one of the wicked fools of Israel. Please, please, speak to the king. He, he won't keep, keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen. And since he was stronger than she... He raped her. Can't you just see this scene playing out with David and Bathsheba? Oh, the parallel is, is too wonderful to pass up. Amnon, son number one, heir to the throne, is doing just what his father did. He raped her. And then, get the psychology of this. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said, get out. No, she said, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done to me. He refused to listen. He called his personal servant, who unbolted the door, came in, and Amnon said, get this thing out of here and bolt the door after her. So the servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing a richly ornamented robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. She had a beautiful dress that now was torn, stained, Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornamented robe she was wearing. She put her hand on her head and went away, weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? And he gently embraced her and said, Be quiet now, my sister. He's your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman, for the rest of her life. Now, when King David heard all this, he was furious. Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Amnon, as we'll learn, is a pretty tough character. David 
did nothing. Nothing. Shouldn't he have confronted Amnon for Amnon raping his own sister? David, a magnificent warrior, a, a great king, a profound man of God, at heart, a stone-cold killer, wouldn't confront his son. Oh, just probe the depths of this. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep shears were at Baal Hatzor, near the border of Ephraim, he invited all the king's sons to come there. Absalom went to the king and he said, Your servant has had shearers come, and will the king and his officials please join me? We're going to have a big party, like at the, uh, at the harvest, the barley harvest in the book of Ruth. Big party. Oh no, my son, the king replied. All of us should not go. It would be, only be a burden to you. You know, have, have fun with your friends. I'm, I'm an old man now. And although Absalom urged him, he still refused to go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon come with us. Is Absalom looking to make up with his brother? king asked him, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he sent him Amnon and the rest of the king's sons. Now Absalom ordered his men, listen, when Amnon is high in spirits from drinking wine, when my brother Amnon is, is drunk as a skunk, which we know he will be, Strike him down and then kill him. Don't be afraid. Have I not given this order? Be strong, be brave. So Absalom's men did to Amnon what Absalom had ordered. Then all the king's sons got up, mounted their mules and fled. And while they were on their way, the report came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons. Not one of them is left. The rumor spread fast, and it grew in the telling. The king stood up. He tore his clothes. He lay down on the ground. All his servants stood by with their clothes torn. But Jonadab, son of Shimea, David's brother, Absalom's uncle, said, My lord should not think that they killed all the princes, only Amnon is dead. This had been Absalom's expressed intention ever since the day Amnon raped his sister Tamar. Two years have passed. My lord the king should not be concerned about the report that all the king's sons are dead. Only Amnon is dead. Two years had passed. Absalom remained silent. David did not confront his son Amnon. And the anger and hatred grew in Absalom's heart until he had a plan. He waited two years for his father to act, and he never did. Meanwhile, Absalom had fled. 
Now the man standing watch looked up and saw many people on the road west of him coming down the side of the hill. The watchman went and told the king, I see men in the direction of Horonim on the side of the hill. Jonadab said to the king, See, the king's sons are here. It's happened just as I told you it would. As he finished speaking, the king's sons came in, wailing loudly. The king, too, and all his servants wept bitterly. After Absalom fled and went to Gesher, he stayed there three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go to Absalom, for he was consoled concerning Amnon's death. What do you think would happen if someone had raped one of David's sisters? Hey, I can tell you, there would be blood on the ground, and quickly, too. But David did nothing with the rape of Tamar. Absalom took matters into his own hands. Knowing that he did, he would have to flee, leave the court. So he went to Gesher and spent three years. Gesher. Why Gesher? Oh, remember David's sons? Sons were born to David in Hebron. His first was Amnon, son of Ahinoam of Jezreel. The second, Caleb, son of Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. The third, Absalom, the son of Maacah, daughter of Talmai, king of Gesher. So Absalom went to Gesher, north, up in Galilee. For political asylum, under his grandfather, who was king of Gesher, his mother's father. There he stays three years, protected. And the spirit of the king longed to go to Absalom, for he was consoled concerning Amnon's death. I think David, uh, David was not happy that Amnon was gone, but David knew Amnon deserved to die. Absalom wielded the sword. And I don't think David felt too bad about that. He did feel bad about Absalom having fled. Well, that's my reading of the story. I have a very good friend in Israel, Miriam Feinberg Vamosh, who just finished writing a novel about Tamar in which it's Absalom who sets up the rape. Absalom. Because Absalom wants to get rid of Amnon and eliminate the heir to the throne. And you wonder, whatever happened to Tamar? She lives out the rest of her life with Absalom. When Miriam's book comes out, I'll let you know. It's at the publisher now. I've read it. I've read the manuscript. It's a great take on this story, and one very different from mine. I remember sitting at the Olive and Fish, one of our favorite restaurants in Jerusalem, with Miriam and her husband and my wife, Anna, and we were talking about this. She was had just completed writing the book, and uh, and, and was, we, we talked about it. She greatly dislikes Absalom. 
and saw Tamar as a victim of Absalom, not of Amnon. And we had quite the conversation over a lengthy dinner. That's the thing about the Bible. These stories are so rich. They are so multi-layered that there are many possibilities in how we read the gaps. Well, my reading was one, and that's the one I've given you today. But do read Miriam's book when it comes out. When it does, I'll let you know on a podcast. And maybe we'll get Miriam online too to join me for that podcast. That would be great. Okay, we're right up on 20 minutes. Uh, Good solid podcast. Let's stop here. And I'll be back with you on Wednesday. What will happen with Absalom? Remember God said, I am bringing calamity upon you. Bye-bye now.